Welcome into a football show. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on X at FWordsPod. He's Easton Freeze. You can follow him on X at Easton Freeze. Braden is unfortunately dealing with a family issue, so he will not be here today. And just a reminder, the next two Mondays, that's Christmas and New Year's Day, guess what? We're not going to be doing a football show on Christmas Day and New Year's uh, Day. No dedication. Unbelievable. I know, no dedication, but we'll be back on those <laughs> what, Thursdays of that week. Thing? Goodness. Oh, yeah. This whole family thing is just really getting in the way of being able to talk about this horrible Titans football <laughs> it's team. It's awesome, too. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so be on the Thursday shows for the next two weeks. It'll be uh, Braden will be back for those as well. Um, and, of course, buildkg.com. Any kind of home improvement needs, remodeling needs, buildkg.com, the Kingston Group. That's who you need to go to. Just one phone call could save you so much headache, so much pain, and maybe even a lot of money. So call the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. And, of course, Sinker's Beverages award-winning. Winning awards like Ric Flair wins World Heavyweight Championships. They got everything you need. Listen, the holiday Tennessee laws and the holidays are a little funky, and I tried warning everybody about right. Thanksgiving that I see some X's go up. Oh, I can't believe the liquor stores are closed. What am I going to do for Thanksgiving? Go to Sinker's Beverages right now. Go ahead and stock up on whatever you may need for Christmas to get through your family holiday and the opening of gifts and the disparaging remarks and whatever may happen on your Christmas. Make sure that you're prepared. <laughs> Easton, uh, you got the Hot Read Podcast, Broadway Sports Media. The Hot Read Podcast had an excellent, probably, dare I say, best episode of the year coming in right into the clutch. Right That's in right. the clutch, you know. You're at the you bus. We're trying to peak right, in at the right to the end, peak all the way to the end. Yeah, right. Exactly. It and helps when you got such a brilliant is, guy like James on the show. So it was it was a good one, and there's a lot of stuff that he said, a lot of terms that he used, a lot of mm -hmm. things that he put in perspective. I thought it was a really really good uh, episode. So make sure to for everybody to go read that. And of course, you guys are going to be at Boomba's later tonight, correct? Yes, we will. We will. Going to have a good time before Thursday night football, talking about an awesome game the Titans are going to play this weekend that I'm sure is going to be. Super exciting and not a waste of our Thursday or our uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, there could there could be a Christmas miracle. That's all we can really hope Just for. Just entertaining. For the That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. Just entertain me somehow. Yeah. Oh, well, with that offensive line, depending on your uh, how definition. you like to what, what do you yeah what your definition of entertaining <laughs> is. Yeah. Sometimes that 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 offensive line can be quite hilarious. In if the you're a fan of way. opposing That's pass rush, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, great time. Uh, so let's dive right in to our topic, and it's pretty much an all-encompassing topic. The Tennessee Titans are eliminated. What now? Mm. What is there for the Tennessee Titans fans, for the players, for the team, the staff? What can they gain these last few three games? And we've heard a lot of interesting comments from the players, players that are, that are going to be here next year, players that hope to maybe be here next year. And... We just got a lot to talk about. And I think one of the best, the things to start off with is talking about Will Levis, who made comments uh, a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And he said if, when he was asked if he was going to play, who he keeps referring to it as a rolled ankle. Some people are calling it a high ankle sprain. It, I mean, I don't know if there's that big of a difference because a high ankle sprain, Trevor Lawrence was out there, you know, the next that next week. So I don't really know what if there's that big of a difference in the terminology. Right. But he said, if you're able to play, you play. And I could don't know how you feel, but I could not 100 percent agree anymore yep. with that statement. It's specifically for Will Levis. And 
And I, I think that if you're able to play, you play. And we'll get more into like the emotional, mental aspect of it. But I think just from the terms of rookie development, what you need to see out of your quarterback, what you want to hear from your quarterback, that is the perfect takeaway. I'm not necessarily saying that like, okay, if you're like 60% go out there, but if he feels like he's ready to play and the staff concurs, then I think that he should play. What about you? Yeah, I think it, it is two factors, right? If your doctor says you're like, you're not going to risk some kind of injury because what's the worst that happens? You get injured again and then you have seven months to get ready for August. You know what I mean? So as long as the doctor is not like this could be a career altering long-term lifetime injury, you've got like, as long as they give you the clear that knock yourself out of it, it's just, if you can tolerate the pain, go on out there, then that's a thumbs up for me. And then the second thumbs up is the player. It's, it's all, it's all him. If he's, it's a, it's a mental thing for me, right? It, it's, if you are mentally in and you are mentally confident in your ability to move as necessary, operate as necessary, uh, then, then go for it. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. And I think that um, he's an interesting case study for this because a lot of folks, I think, reasonably question, you know, what does that mean for the mental uh, fortitude of a player who, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where they start seeing ghosts early in their career. You, 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 you shoot down their confidence early because you put them in a terrible situation. Um, I was having a, a little bit of a cheeky back and forth with Braden earlier this week via text, because I mentioned on a hot read episode, a couple of episodes ago, how, you know, he's a guy that came from a really poor situation at Kentucky, his senior year. And he was accustomed to playing behind bad offensive lines, accustomed to playing with weapons that aren't able to separate or, or just a, a limited variety of guys he could go to on the field. And so stepping into this Titans offense, while it's, you know, it's very different taking that step up to the NFL level, it's functionally the same issues he's having to work around. And I, he took issue with, uh, I'm of the belief that sometimes when you see a quarterback come from a smaller school or a school that is a, you know, not typically a very great situation. And then they come to the NFL and you're like, wow, how are they playing so well? And sometimes you see guys come from really cushy situations in college and you, they look kind of shell shocked early on. It's because th there's some, there's some carryover there. And I think that that's absolutely the case with the Levis. I have, I have no personal concern for his mental fortitude as a, as a quarterback being shot by anything that could happen in the next three games. Yeah, I'm with you because, I mean, he played through injury through Kentucky, I think even through both years probably, and, mm -hmm. and it was a multitude of injuries in the last year. And I, I've echoed your same sentiment in that, the fact that, like, if anybody could play behind a bad offensive line, it's Will Levis. I mean, he has been doing it for a while now. Right? He's been doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you're right, because there are, there are players that come from cushy um, situations because you hear quarterbacks go through this a lot because you hear quarterbacks talk about, well, the game's now starting to slow down for me. Right. You know, or the game's not too fast. So then, you know, you, you see that progression of everything slowing down because everything was so easy. That was a big knock on CJ Stroud from my point of view, from many other mm -hmm. people's point of view. Like, he had it really easy. And um, while he still is not like, I think of people are looking at the stats and thinking he's like highly accurate, while he still is not highly accurate by completion percentage over expected or any of the other stats. And even when you watch the games, if you really watch the games, he's still putting together a good year. So he's still putting that stuff. We'll say going to miss another game to for concussion. 
Maybe if he had a higher S2 score, he wouldn't be missing this many games. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Everyone knows but your anyway. intellect also pertains to your brain's physical yep. ability to recover. Yeah, that's that's science. And, and Kenneth Crawl brings up a good point. The way Bryce Young looks behind the Bama cushy situation in the one of the worst, one of the few worst situations that Tennessee Titans yeah, with the Carolina say, Panthers, yeah. and how Will Levis, Levis comes from a bad situation to this kind of similar situation here. It's not rocket science. Titans. It's like anything in life. If you've done it before, then you're going to be more comfortable doing it. If it's a completely new situation for you, everyone started a new job before where it's completely different from what you're accustomed to, or you've never done something like this before in the first. The first couple shifts, your first couple weeks, you feel like you're just trying to tread water and keep your head above the surface because it's a lot. And and that's something that I think pertains to quarterbacks and the situations they come into the NFL into. Uh, we Hayden Fiedler just got in here, but did you guys see the news about Tepper? Uh, I did not, but I, I did see the news. Hayden, ben Johnson I, was wanting. Oh, he's on the Epstein. No, he's not, oh. he's not. He's not. He's oh. not. You got, you got got Hayden. You got got. That was a fake uh, out of your account. And unless oh, it was man. a joke this morning and now is real, I saw it and it was a joke. So I think you got got Hayden. Okay. Although I hadn't seen Schefter say that. So that it was a fake Schefter account. Although. Frankly, it is it is a, one of the more believable names you could see. Yeah. Like it wouldn't shock me if I saw that on the list. So I don't blame you yeah. for getting got, Hayden. But but I did see that Ben Johnson, Josina Anderson is reporting that Ben Johnson wants fifteen million dollars per year. You know what? Speaking of David Tepper, he's probably the only guy that will give him $15 million (laughs) per year. You better hope it uh, works out for that. Uh, I'm good on Ben Johnson right now. I, too, Uh, would like $15 million per year, just to put that out there. Justina Anderson, you can report that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to play over Malik Willis. Um, I, I think Ryan Tannehill playing... I, I don't really care. I know I was about to ask you, do you like care? Strong opinions like yeah. about whether it's Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill. Like I would enjoy watching Malik Willis play because I want to see just the absurdity of what he will do and how bad this offense will just regress under Will Levis. Ryan Tannehill will likely just be what we've been watching with Will Levis with less. I mean, maybe not less deep shots. They were one and two in deep shot percentage. Did you know that? Ryan Tannehill oh, still like in, ranked number two in the whole league. In the whole league, I did not know that they are still they have the highest percentage of their dropbacks go for deep shots. So let's let's. I would love somebody to do me a Isn't favor. That crazy. Let's, let's take those deep shots and then let's look at uh, hit rate because I feel like that's a very different story. I don't remember Tannehill hitting a ton of deep shots during the early portion of the year. Well, I know that, um, um, but speaking, I, I am surprised that, by the fact that they took yeah. so many. So, I mean, it may not really be that big of a difference as far as. Um, well, and what does he have to lose? He, just let it saying? rip out there. Just take a shot. Like, who cares? The um, it, I mean, the attempts like Will Levis is 22.2% and Ryan Tannehill is 18.4%. Okay. But you're right. Ryan Tannehill connected on 27.6% is, is a completion percent. So <laughs> yeah, it's, there we go. It's not good. There we go. But he's he did, taking he them. He's just not making them. He's taking them. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought that was odd for those that don't think the Tim Kelly offense is that different. They're the top two. And I don't remember the, any time the Tennessee Titans have attempted to that high of a rate of deep shots. I'm old enough to remember times under Todd Downing day. when people were begging, screaming, crying on their knees, wailing for throw the ball downfield, please. I'm dying for you to try this. 
Yeah. So do you care about the Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, who should start, what's best for the team? I mean, because I know a lot of people think, oh, well, you just throw Malik Willis in and then, you know, we're just going to lose all the games and that's best for the Tennessee Titans. And we'll talk about whether that's best or not. But do you care about that topic? Like, I think that's a, a weird topic that everybody's kind of like emphasized a lot this week. I care like I care about the pair of pants that I wear. Like, yeah, I have a favorite pair of jeans, but if they're not, if they're in the wash, like I'm not, I'm fine to wear the other ones. Like I don't, it's not, not going to bother me the rest of my day. Um, I, if, let me ask you this, like if it was truly up to you, if Mike Vrabel came to you and said, Zach, we got to think like, who do we play today? I don't care. What do you want us to do? Do would you have a preference? Do, do you lean one way or the other? Well, I guess I would say, well, do you want us to win or do you want us to lose? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm, if you want yeah. to, if you want, the, that's why I'd ask Mike Vrabel, like, Coach, what do you want? What do you want the, the what's the goal here? Right. Yeah. What's right. the goal here? Do you want do you want to be competitive or do you just kind of want to like put Malik Willis out there? And I've seen a lot of people say that, well, you know, we got to see what we we got to Malik Willis. Well, we've seen it. Yeah. About to say, and then I've seen uh-huh. other people say Ryan Tannehill should, you, you know, graceful, gracefully back out of accepting this. Well, he still got play for free agency a little bit here. You know, he can make a little bit of extra money. Right. And sure, he can get injured as well. It's a big risk, but it's the risk you got to take. And I feel like a competitor mentality that Ron Daniel has, he's going to take that risk. So it just comes down. Do you want to win or do you not want to win or the best chance to win? And the best chance if he answers best chance, it's Ryan Daniel. If he says, I don't care, then let's throw in Malik Willis. For me, it's a mild preference. And I so I mildly prefer Tannehill for a couple of reasons. One, the romantic in me. Um, just from like a narrative standpoint and this season's already, you know, this, the Titans aren't they're not playing for anything at this point. Um, I do, I do like from a narrative standpoint that, you know, the guy that has brought an era of a lot of winning to Tennessee for the past half decade or so to kind of just get one last ride. Now it may not be pretty, it might be very ugly, but just to see him out there one more time, I think will be cool for the more romantic fans out there. And it, I don't think it should piss anybody off that isn't romantic about Ryan Tannehill because who cares? They're not playing for anything. Um, like you said, the downside is you may be more, uh, you are more likely to win if Ryan Tannehill's in the lineup. But the reason why, besides the romanticism of it, that I wouldn't mind seeing him in there is because I do think there will be opportunity. I know there will be opportunities in the next three games for us to further evaluate some of the players on this team. And having Tannehill in there is it's, it's like a, you know, it's like a, it's, it's like, chemistry class in high school like he's he's a control that you can plug into this equation and I feel like I can much more accurately evaluate Traylon Burks Kyle Phillips Chigakonkwo um you know Derrick Henry Tajay Spears the, the offensive line's ability to maintain a pocket and he's going to stand in there and not bail from a clean pocket all the time um I I so that that control element of the offense I prefer just from an, a, an analysis standpoint um, with Malik, I think it'll be a, a muddier situation to try to parse out what exactly we're seeing in these next three games. But th- again, I, I don't really care. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. The con- the control analogy there worked much better than your Pandora's box analogy from earlier in the week. Um, Kenneth makes a good all. point. Vrabel's going to make us all angry and inexplicably go on a three-game winning streak. I wouldn't say it's inexplicable because <laughs> I would say it's pretty easy to explain. That's mm-hmm. just what Vrabel is. Yeah. He, he, whether you think that he's an idiot or you think that he's a hater or he's a troll, the guy just wants to win. And this team kind of wants to win too. They do not sure. 
the the team and the fans care more about the draft pick than the players do, right? Like, and the job of the coach is try to get the most out of your players. So you, the coach can't care about the draft pick at this point in time. I mean, they're getting the most. So I could totally see Vrabel going out and winning these three games. I'm expecting them to win at least one game. I'll be genuinely surprised. I'll be genuinely surprised if they don't win another game this year. I'm, I'm not hoping for that. I would like for them not to. Um, but I, I will, I will be pretty shocked if they don't win one of these last three games. I'm I'm not thinking they're going to win all three, but I'll be pretty shocked if they, if they lose out. Just now realized I've left out the T and Titans, uh, in our little graphic Titans. They don't deserve funny is that I had this, the second graphic I made because I misspelled eliminated and left and left (laughs) off a letter and eliminated apparently did not check the uh, Titans there, but that is what it is. Um, let's, let's go into and talk about the players comments in the locker rooms these last few days, because I I found them interesting specifically from three different players that, and I mentioned two in, in our group chat, but there was one that came out today and it kind of echoes to me what the, I think, I think it says these messages say a few different things to me. It says that Vrabel's message is coming in and they're accepting Vrabel's message because that's been the big theme up and down. What is Vrabel's message? Are they buying in? Are they not buying in? I felt since the Colts game, those should be laid to rest. But here's some more evidence of it. And like, what do these guys look for now that they have been eliminated in the playoffs? Where's their mind at? Their drive is coming from. Where is... What what are they focused on, and what are they focused on about their future? But Elijah Molden will kick us off, and this is from today from Teron Davenport. And this is what uh, his ex says. Teron's ex says, Elijah Molden on what motivates him to keep playing hard. I want to finish this year strong and feel good about the role I could play next year. My effort isn't changing. For Danico Autry, it was just playing the game I love. Mm-hmm. And for Aziz Alshair... Playing for the guy next to you and your own individual pride ain't gonna let anyone whoop up on me just because I'm eliminated. Yeah. And I think those are some like, those are like three players that I feel two of these players need to be back on Tennessee. That'd be Aziz and uh, Danico Autry. And Elijah Molden is going to factor really heavily into what this defense does next year. And he's really stepped up since uh, Kevin Byard has been gone. So has Wallace. So has Hooker. They all three have been playing really well. And that's a good core group that including Wallace who needs to be resigned. They need to keep together, in my opinion. But I look at this and I'm like, these are guys that are, are using descriptors, right? They're using descriptors and words that are not coach speak or player speak. So there is a message coming through. But it's also a personal pride, and Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel have talked for all offseason that the players they want to bring in are players that love the game. And I think right, right there is three examples that they these players are still going to give you their damnedest uh, every week. They're gonna they're gonna make you fight for it, and they're gonna fight. They they love the game, and they take pride in what they do and pride in each other. Yep. And that's something that I've been talking about for these last few weeks, but. From your perspective, you've been uh, uh, interviewing players all offseason, interviewing the coaches, staffs all season. 
And what is your sense in taking these words and what they mean for these last three games, what they mean for Vrabel and these players going into next year? Well, first of all, there's been a lot of talk in the past calendar year or so with this team about are there eight to four guys on this team? And if so, who they are, you know, who, who, are, who are the guys that want to be here? Who are the guys that don't? And that's been hinted at a, a couple of times over the past year. And if you, if you and I went back and forth and had like a draft of guys that we're confident aren't eight to four guys, these three guys you just mentioned are three that would be near the top of my list. I mean, Danico Autry is probably the top, top of the list. Autry and Simmons are, are two guys that have forever. I think it's obvious to anybody that knows anything about them and the way that they play. They play for the love of the game. Um, and so there there are a couple of guys that I think are right up there. And I'm, I I some players say that kind of thing. And you're like, OK, I'm not sure I fully believe you, but that's nice of you to say. I believe Nico Autry when he says I'm going to go out there and just play because I like to play. Um, and, you know, that this week there has been a recurring theme with Vrabel in every meeting room. What are we playing for? What is the mission? What is the goal? And and they're parroting that here, right? They're they are saying, I think, you know, you said it's not coach speak, and it's not. Um, but I think that those are things that they probably have heard verbatim in meeting rooms this week about this is what we're playing for. We're playing for our pride. We're playing to, you know, you got you're an individual contractor in this league. You, you gotta always be looking to put good stuff on tape. Um, and we're and we're we're playing for our team, we're playing for each other. And so I believe those guys, I think that it may be an interesting, I mean, if you, if you, if you're somebody that likes to lean into that conspiratorial side of things, this may be an interesting case study for you in uh, trying to figure out who you think may be more of an eight to four guy who is playing their butt off these next three games and who maybe gets less playing time strangely. And you're like, well, why are they playing less all of a sudden? Maybe it's because they're not, they're not showing the effort out there at practice. They're not showing the effort out there in the games to, to warrant that playing time. And so. Um, I, I think that it's it, it's it's funny that Titans fans are so befuddled by this this week. And you've seen a lot of folks talking about how this is the the first game that Mike Vrabel has, I think, ever coached in which they are all already out of the playoffs. And so that, you'd be including the Texans um, head, head coach. Head it is coach. in Sorry. it is in Tennessee, but I'm not sure if it's that includes okay. the Texans or not. So, so as, a, as a head coach, it's the only time so far in his head coaching career in which he's playing a game where they're eliminated from the playoffs. Every time they've missed the playoffs, it's been in the final week of the season. And so it has literally been a half decade since Titans fans have been in this situation and they don't know how to feel. Um, but it like, like Paul Karski, I think said on Twitter earlier this week, like this is not uncommon teams every single year. Many teams play games that you're playing spoiler and you're playing for your pride and you're playing for the tape and that's it. So that's where the Titans are right now. I will say one guy that I feel that has checked out and it, it's just, maybe he's just tired of these press conferences or he knows the writings on the wall. And I felt like he was checked out during the Miami game and his follow-up performance to Miami wasn't very good. Derrick Henry. I don't know. I feel like Derrick Henry is a little checked out and, and I don't necessarily blame him. There's See? no milestones that he can get, but, and maybe it's just his personality, but it, it just doesn't seem like the same Derrick Henry when when you're putting all this stuff together over these last few weeks. I'm glad you brought that up because this is the kind of thing that you lean into on this show and I'll be listening. And it, oftentimes I'm like, relax, Zach, Don't, that, like you're you're reaching here. I'm not I'm not about it. I think that this is a little bit of narrative spinning. 
I can't really disagree with you on this one. And at first I did, I noticed the same thing. I mean, I, the, the thing that did it for me was going back and watching that hard knocks episode, the in-season hard knocks with Miami. Mm -hmm. They're showing the in-game footage. Um, he and looks you saw some like of him on the, on the sideline and he's checked out. <laughs> And then, and then you saw the tit the Titans did a cut up of their mic'd up with um with Tajay Spears, and so he's yep. over there with Derek a lot, and he's it's just it's it's like this he's not in there, and um it's been the same thing at at every turn since then. You like it, and it's this is people are gonna think like what, but it's been everywhere. You see the the photo shoot where Will Levis won the angry run scepter. And Derrick Henry is handing him the, the scepter and, and like it's a whole ceremony thing. And the whole time Will's got this big old smile on his face and it's a good time. And Derek again, Derek's just it's not. And to be fair to him, that is part of that is his personality, right? That's always he's always been that guy with highs and lows. He's a very even keeled guy, no matter what. He's pretty low key when you're talking to him. But it's 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 gone a step further than that in the past three weeks or so. I agree with you. And I'm curious as to what that indicates. Maybe you're right that it's as simple as he sees the writing on the wall. He knows that this is maybe the end for him in Tennessee. He indicated as much in his press conference after last week's game. Um, that's, that's not to say that he doesn't want to be back or the Titans don't want him back. We don't know. Um, but I, I think that part of it is that. And, and part of it is probably the fact that, like you said, there aren't any more milestones to hit his he. I'm sure there's definitely some serious frustration at this point having to run behind this offensive line because no matter how much of a step you believe he's lost, he has to be feeling, and I think rightfully so, I am so much better than than some of the games that I've had this year, and that's not entirely my fault, man. Like I, I would love to run behind a, a line that gives me any kind of chance sometimes, and I don't have to feel like I have to press every single game, and then it forces me into some bad decisions and all of these things that I think have been plugging him along with the fact that he's lost a step. So I think all of that piling up has led him to – he he's not an 8-4 to four guy. We know he's not an 8-4 to four guy. Yeah. He, he cares. He's, he's, he's going to be playing hard, and he's going to try to win these games. But I think at the same time, he's already checking airline flight prices to Aruba um as as frankly I probably would be too in the same situation yeah I don't I don't blame him at all I mean he's he's had a good run and everything but it just has not been his year uh yeah. it's been an obvious decline and listen when you're when you're a god and you kind of like when you're this immortal right or like right. here here's a good one Samson right Samson yeah. lost his hair but he was still strong enough to pull down all the columns and everything like right. that yep. right Guy's mm -hmm. haircut. And Derrick Henry's still strong. He's still a volume-driven and quality running back. But he just he's just not the immortal. He's just not the, the super strong. He's just not, you know, Superman that he once was. And so his sure. decline still looks good compared to some other running backs that have declined sharply. But then you're going to go into next year, and there's another step towards decline unless he finds an offensive line and a team that is going to be able to use him and get him get him going, allow him enough space to generate the speed. Because that's right. really the issue that we're having here, is that the Tennessee Titans are about league average in yards before contact, right? But the problem is, is that when you're, uh, and I think after after this last week they're below, but that's a, it's a one-game sample size that really sure. is going to skew the numbers. Yeah. But... I think when you're so slow in getting to your high speed that 
it's a bad combination with how this offensive line is set up right now. And that's why Ty J Spears is so much more effective because he can yep. hit those top speeds so much quicker. So even if the blocks aren't holding up long enough and the yards before contact is still a little high, then he's still going to be able to make something move. And I, I think that everything that we have seen the Tennessee Titans do, and I wrote about it at stackingtheinbox.com and it got released this morning, but they've they've shifted away from Henry. Now, hmm. do not let the Texans game skew your idea of what is actually going on on this team. They they have are running less on first downs than they ever have in the Vrabel era era, and he's only getting the ball on thirty three percent of the in the Vrabel era, mm. and this is by far the lowest. It's got, yeah, it's got to be era. dramatically lower than any year before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, they and they tried trading them. Now it's still Derrick Henry, and I think this past game, what you saw, and I think Superhorn laid this out pretty well, and I think uh, so did James Foster is that they played a lot of too high safety and too high looks. They did not stack the box, right? They only stacked the box on 6.2% of his runs. Mm -hmm. You would expect Derrick Henry to do something with that. And our that's friend, supposed to be his uh, number, West, man. It's supposed to be his yeah. music. Our friend Wes, just a couple of years ago in 2021, the Bills did it less, 5%, and he went off for 140 yards and three touchdowns. Now and and this it to me it's just like the offensive line can only explain away so much, but it's also like okay you see that they're playing and giving you these favorable matchups on first down right they're giving you these favorable matchups and Derrick Henry and the offensive line still cannot do anything with it it's both right it's the offensive exactly. line this, obviously this pairing this pairing you've heard of force multipliers this pairing is a force yeah. divider. It is, it right. is, and I'm go. glad, I'm glad that you brought this up because it, it is two, it's a unit and an individual who both at this point in their, in their cycles have a, a unique set of skills that pair well with certain others, but not each other. Uh, and, and so like, let me ask you this. Are you a single child or did you have siblings? Yes. Or do you have siblings? No, I'm single. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I'm an older brother. Like I have, a, I have a younger brother, and younger sister. For anybody that's an older brother, with with Derrick Henry, I think a lot of the frustration, like you were po the pointing to at the Samson example, um, it's like when you're an older brother, and for years and years, you could just you could you know sh put your hand on the forehead of your brother, and he couldn't reach you, and you could kill him in arm wrestling, and you could throw him around and beat him in wrestling. Like everything is easy. You can punk him. Like you just you dominate. And then one day. Little bro, like, starts sitting in the gym, hits puberty, gets into high school, and suddenly, like, you got to start stretching if you want to hang, and 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 suddenly you're equals, and it's like, this sucks, because like you said, you're no longer that immortal. You're no longer untouchable. Derrick Henry was the best running back in the league for multiple years, and he was capable of doing pretty much everything that you could ask a, a traditional running back to do, and now suddenly he has a unique set of skills in which he needs to get four or five steps before contact and get rambling downhill, and once he does... That's nice. His top speed is still good. His acceleration is pretty poor at this point, and that's what's hurting him a lot of the time. Um, but he can still run a guy over if he gets ahead of steam. This offensive line is uniquely situated to give nobody ahead of steam ever. And so that's why, like, he is not as bad as he's looked. And I think this offensive line, when he's running behind them, is not as bad as a run blocking unit as they've looked, although they are bad. They're not as bad as they've looked when Henry runs. 
as demonstrated by when Spears gets the ball and is able to get, again, not good, but something, you know, two yards, three yards here. He's not getting stopped for a loss of five on first down. And so they just pair so poorly with each other at this point. It is night and day, like we were talking about with James Foster on the hot read earlier this week about how Henry's heyday, you know, he was that dude, not to take anything away from him, but he was running behind an elite run blocking unit, one of the best, if not the best in the NFL with Ben Jones and Taylor Awan and all those boys up there. They were fantastic road grading offensive linemen. And that that's part of the reason why Arthur Smith, like his run scheme had to be so simple. They had two runs. They didn't need more. Like they just, they had the best offensive line. They had the best running back and it worked. You couldn't stop it. It's the opposite of that now. And that's gotta be frustrating. Well, and also, you know, when you, you talk about run blocking and a run block win mm-hmm. is calculated as 2.5 seconds. You hold up your defender for 2.5 seconds, then you got Interesting. it. Interesting. Okay. Well, Okay, so that that that's what is classified as a win. Okay. So even if they come in at two point six or two point five one, it still counts as a win, right? That still okay. sounds fast, but that still counts as a win, right? Not all wins are well, made equal. The, yeah, and what well, the problem is is that Derrick Henry, and to illustrate, I I think this is a good way to illustrate what you're talking about. Okay, so they're two point five seconds. They they're pretty good in run block win rate, which sure. which are about seventeenth, I think, in run block okay. win rate. But he, Derrick Henry, it takes him 2.96 seconds to reach the line of scrimmage on average in week 15 and 2.79 on the whole season. That's not compatible, so boss. That doesn't work. That's not you compatible. Can't do it. You and, can't and, do and it. It's a, bad, it's a bad situation, and, and yeah. you're completely right. That's just to help illustrate how the game, and not only is it a game of inches, it's like a game of milliseconds. Like it's this Apollo is a game. 13. You know the scene where they're yeah. trying to they're trying to replace the air filter, and it's like we need to make this round air filter fit in this square air filter box, and we've got this, and they gesture to a table of like duct tape and WD forty. Like Derrick Henry is the round air filter that does not fit in the square hole of this offensive line. Yeah. It just it doesn't work. The parts don't go together. And listen, if he if he comes back for. Fairly cheap, and I'm talking about under $5 million per year, like right. an easy deal, team-friendly deal. I'm not going to be totally upset with it because they're not – they they recognize, right? You don't lower a two-down well, running back first-down carry, right? Does, like, does you Mike don't, Vrabel recognize you don't, it yet? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, okay. it, you, you can't say – you can't sit here – I don't know if you're alluding to this, but I've seen people allude to this, that Mike Vrabel has an influence, an un – unescapable influence about this about Derrick Henry right I, or I don't think about it's as what aggressive as folks does. think but I think they're I, I think if Tim Kelly had his druthers he would run Henry less than he does but he's already running them less right so he's like a yes. two down he's, running back he's slowly See, starting the, to get his way yeah 100 percent yeah so my thing is is like it's okay so he's a first down if he's a two down running back which is first second down which yep. they have clearly shown that they do not in two minute drills in in hurry up offenses, they don't want Derrick Henry off the fi- on the field. Yep. So he's a two down running back, even more limited than a normal two down running back. Mm-hmm. And he's only getting ran on thirty three percent of the first down run, uh, the first downs at all, which is way lower than what he has been. They recognize something is going on. They try to trade him, like they recognize mm-hmm. the decline's coming. And so, yeah, 
his decline is not as steep because he gets a lot of carries on. I think I think the biggest issue is going to be second down runs, and I haven't gotten to that point yet to okay. break all that down. But I feel like second down runs are the issue. But what I'm saying is like they've already started preparing the offense to shift away from Derrick Henry, not shift away from the run, but shift away from Derrick Henry. And I think they since they have yep. started already doing that. I don't see a path for him to be here next year. And if he even is here next year, I think you're going to see a lot less of Derrick Henry than what you're already seeing right now. And everybody, I think, I think we all have like a Stockholm syndrome Mandela effect going on. He's on pace to have his least amount of rushing carries. Right. So like, he's not, he's just not getting used as much, but I think we've been so conditioned to run, run pass or Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry pass, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry pass to Derrick Henry that we think that something's happening when in reality it's really not. And I also think the recency bias of and being prisoners of every moment yeah, of yeah. this Texans game is really skewing the season outlook of this yes. team. Well, and we, I mean, you and I engaged with some folks on, on X earlier this week who were talking about how um, like it's, you know, the run rate is just too high and you, you pulled some of the actual numbers and you're like, no, it's, it's not, it's pretty, it's pretty acceptable. It's the it's the way that they're running. It's the personnel that they're deploying mm-hmm. in order to run. That's the issue. And I agree with you entirely. I I, I don't just dis- obviously I don't disagree that um, there's a, a very plausible likelihood that Henry is no longer here next year, whether he is or not. Um, and I think the team I mean, I think the team would be interested in keeping him around at the right price. I just I really question whether or not uh, those two sides prices are going to line up at all. Uh, if he's not, you, I, I, whether he's back or it's somebody else, I, I don't envision them turning the full workhorse workload over to Tajay next year. I don't think they want him to be a no. Derrick Henry level volume. I think I think they want to be committee style like they've been this this year. And so I think it's interesting to think about what that may look like. Um, I don't, and you've alluded to this, uh, comparison all year long. And I think it's absolutely right. I don't mind them for a year or two rocking with a, um, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott style. Like you use Henry just in goal line short yardage and maybe fourth down when you're trying to like just run the clock down or the defense is really worn out and you just want to pound on them, like very niche circumstances. I don't mind that at all. It, It just depends on the price. It all depends on what that number looks like. And I have a mm-hmm. feeling that Henry, and rightfully so, I believe he has a lot of tread left in his tires in, in terms of the the beating he can take just because he's, he's still built like a tank. He's still a freak of nature. He can go and have that workload, I think, and stay healthy. I just It won't be nearly as effective as a workload. I don't know if a team would want that, but if there's a team out there looking for a real bruiser, they may be willing to pay him twice as much as the Titans are. Yep. You know, I think I look at, you know, the Ravens were – obviously interested according to rumors so i mean if he's a free agent gus edwards if he's smart he won't do that because the ravens running back room is it's got a hex on it everyone dies you shouldn't do that Derek. i was about to say two of those players gus edwards and jk dobbins are both free agents next year so so they need somebody talk about pairing someone with tajay spears i'd be looking at i'd be almost doing a swap take give them derrick henry we'll take gus edwards Gus the bus baby i like gus yeah 
I see. I, th- I think that would be a good thing. I, I agree with uh, James, who talked about Braylon Allen on your all show. I would throw in the name Isaiah Davis. Mm. Uh, but they're, they're a running back, Deontay Foreman, a running back like that you can find in the draft. Uh, you can find it in free agency. Is not necessarily have to be Derrick Henry. They are available. Think, they're out there. Yeah. I do think Tajay Spears shown that he can be a, I don't know if premier is the right word. I don't know if you consider what Tony Pollard was a premier, but I think he can, he's a guy that can carry 50% of the touches or 60% of the touches, right? Like yeah. I think he's a 60% of your running back touches need to go to Tajay Spears. And well, I, I would clear, say, I think probably handle seven or more. Of, I think he's capable mm-hmm. of doing the Derrick Henry thing. I mean, he, Levis talked a lot about after that Miami game, like he thinks Tajay may be the most conditioned guy out there on the field ever. Like, Physically, I think he's capable of it. I just think he's like a lot of play. They're very there's a reason why Derrick Henry may be a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, is a future Hall of Famer and certainly has been a, 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 an anomaly as a running back in the modern era. Because do dudes rarely are better suited at that workload. It's a lot like you were talking about with Arden Key on uh F words last night, where you'd love to see him more in a rotational role, not because he's not physically capable of handling an every down role. But most guys, their output is on a bell curve. You know, it's like, you know, there's a there's a number in there, whether it's 50% of the snaps, 60%, 70%, where you're getting enough rest to be your best when you are out there. Henry is one of the very, very, very rare exceptions where he is at his best when you do nothing but run him all, like get him out there on every single snap. The longer he's in the game, the better he gets. That's rare. I don't think that's the case with a Ty J Spears style runner. I don't think it can be. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think the the his effectiveness is going to be tied to his usage. Yep. Um, and and you really want someone of his size anyway to have a lot more longevity. But but that's a guy I look at like we're we're talking about now. What now for the Tennessee Titans? Right. And over these next three games, a lot of guys are looking to either rebound from their poor starts or get better or end the year on a good note. Mm-hmm. Peter Skaronsky said today to Jim Wyatt that, you know, I got things I still want to work on and improve upon and playing my my hardest. These last three games will really help me improve, put stuff on tape and this and that. And I look at a guy like Tajay Spears, who has been phenomenal in his rookie year. I would I would label what he has been able to do behind his offensive line, what he's been able to show when the first person touches him and how hard he is to bring down that like he's had a really really great year. Yeah. And I also view it as this is his rookie year. Now yeah. you get him more touches in the second year. Now you get him another year of off-season training of of looking at tape, improving technique, improving this and that, and give him a better offensive line. Right, give him better offensive line. So we look at that, and I think like, okay, I, I'm I am excited to see what Tajay Spears does these next three weeks. Yeah. I am excited to see Peter Skaronsky prove everybody that has overreacted and said that he is Chance Warmack. I'm excited to see Peter Skaronsky put those haters to rest as well. Hope and haters is I'm, way too kind. Morons. Yeah. Idiots. I'm excited food. to see if Chico can keep keep his trend going. Like yeah. there are things that to look for. And I think that those three are at the top of my list on the offensive no side of the ball. No Burks. No Burks. 
I mean, I mean, you'd like to see something, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess, but I'm not. I guess I'm not expecting it. So, like, I expect let me, let me these ask guys. You this. To Is there anything that Traylon can do in these last three games that would change your opinion of Traylon Burks going into next season? He, he, if he averaged, if he got a hundred yards in every game and at least one touchdown in every game, <laughs> okay, Might I, work. I, because I don't believe that there's such a thing, and I, and I, I don't think there's such a thing as momentum. I know you in think the this, NFL. Yeah. That I carries over I from this season the to argument. the next season because oh, okay, okay, season to season, seen, okay, yeah, 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 season to season. Like I, if if Traylon Burks goes crazy these next three <sighs> weeks. I don't know if that necessarily means that he's a, he's a guy for next year. I don't know if you should approach your offseason right. approach for the Tennessee Titans. You're the fans is to say, wow, he was really wide receiver too, or the guy that we drafted. He'll definitely be that guy next year. Sure. So I don't believe in that kind of momentum in, in the sense that like from look at Chick. He ended the year really great, right? Yeah. Right. He ended big into the year really great. And then he came out and made a lot of terrible <laughs> bricks mistakes. for hands. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't believe that there is like a carryover factor because you see bad teams get immediately get good. You look at the Houston Texans. They, they make all these changes to me. It's about the surrounding players that you bring in, taking your good players, building around your good players with more good players. That's what changes your momentum. Not, ending on a three game win streak and everybody's happy and they have this false sense of security that everything we turned, we righted the ship. Yeah. But no, I, you really I, didn't write the ship. <laughs> There's the, the ship's already sunk. It's already fully submerged. Yeah. There's no writing. I, I actually agree with that opinion more than I thought I would. Um, I know you're not a big momentum guy. I, I agree that individual momentum, I think is probably not really a thing. I do think that teams can have momentum when you've got like a, like the, the Packers offense, for example. Like I think that that group of guys that are going to be playing together for a while, like they can build momentum and experience together. I think the Titans are the perfect example of a team where, yeah, this kind of team is not going to have momentum. You know why? Because they're going to have $75 million worth of guys not on this roster and $75 million <laughs> worth of guys that are new on this roster and you can't build momentum with guys that are brand new. So that's fair. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know how high my expectations for 2024 Burks, regardless of what he does, unless he's like phenomenal. Like if he just turns it up and is just has this crazy connection right? and is just going crazy, maybe like you can sw swing, you know, some momentum to his side. But like, I don't know, like, am I really looking forward to watching Traylon Burks? Because I haven't really been rewarded. More often than let not, make, of being enjoying to watch trailers. I don't fully believe this, but let me make an argument for Traylon Burks and believing in him based on what he does in these games. The the game that we all reference as the whoa, there it was that he did the thing. Like there's the there's a glimpse of the ceiling or the flashes. It's that Green Bay game, right? And he was phenomenal in that game, and that was the game that gave everybody hope. Like oh, this AJ trade, while terrible, there's no making it not terrible it may not be the worst thing in the world in terms of what you got in compensation. Um, I think we've reached the point now where that game was over a full calendar year ago, over a full season, regular season's worth of games ago. We've not, we've not even come close to seeing that again. Um, and in his career now, in almost two full seasons, we've seen it all of one time. So you reach a point where you have to start to wonder, was that actually a glimpse of his ceiling? Or was that a just a 
total outlier. I mean, like I am the most average basketball player in the world, but sometimes once in a blue moon, I go out there and I drop 17 and pick up basketball and I feel like a God. That's not reflective of my ceiling. That's reflective of a fluke. Like, is that a fluke game from Traylon Burks or is that actually his ceiling? And I think what could change your opinion on that or change, maybe solidify everyone's thinking is if he did go out and have a game like that or two in these next three, I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying I'm expecting him to do that. Frankly, it may not be up to him because depending on the quarterback situation and the pass protection, like it may not be a, a, an option to anybody. But if he could go out there and do that, then that lets me go into 2022 thinking the offseason narrative on him for me is okay at least one game in each of his first two seasons we saw like there's the thing they've got to try to figure out how to harness that thing if he doesn't what i'm going to be talking about in july is going to be man it's been two years it's been a lot of games and besides the injury issue that's a separate thing we've only seen it one time i can't you know they, they say once is an instance twice is a coincidence three times is a pattern we need to get at least into coincidence territory with him because right now it's just an instance and that's kind of concerning. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The um, on the defense side of the ball, you know, I want to see. I don't know. I don't know what really do what I should Roger be McCreary? rooting for. Um, uh, I guess less Jack Gibby, <laughs> I think, would make but, but who is his stead? Who like? I guess this Garrett Warlow guy that they got, which is oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. like Dylan Cole. So who's just like <laughs> Jack Kibbe, who's just like Luke yeah. Gifford. They're all the same linebacker. Industry plant. Probably. Industry plant. I will say this, though. There is the rule of three for these linebackers that they rotate in. So Garrett Warlow could look good these last three games uh, because Dylan okay. Cole can only last three games. Jack Gibby can only put together three good games. He's so not burnt his games maybe, yet. He's still got them to spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 100%. He's going to fool uh, everybody. We'll see, you know, yeah. That, I love, I don't know I if get... you saw, did you see James Foster's Titans grades thing that he put yeah. on, on YouTube where it was Jack Gibbons X-axis versus Jack Gibbons Y-axis? Hilarious and incredibly accurate. The guy downhill, I mean, that's that's kind of the mark of every mediocre white linebacker, isn't it? Like they can explode downhill, downhill when they trigger, man, they get after the guy and it's it's violent. But then running sideline to sideline, they're just getting torched all day, every day. There's no hope. You're toast. No. Well, that, you know, when you talk about the the all white uh, team versus yeah, yeah, the yeah. all black white squad that was been going around. And I meant to ask Mike this question last night. I don't think the all white team scoring a damn point. I'm going to be completely well, honest. Yeah, I think, you think getting, that offense can hang. Not with the defenses. I, I think they're getting Dude. absolutely Boat raced. No, um, no, 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 no. They can out physical them. Here's what you do. You run a zero five personnel, right? It's all the white tight ends are out there. You just big bodies. You get, you get Travis out there. You like you run Cooper cup. He's the one, he's the white, the white, great white hope at wide receiver. Um, everybody likes to throw Thielen in there, which I, I don't want Thielen on that roster. Get him out of, he's old. Um, you need, you need McCaffrey and you need, yeah. you need cup. And then you need all the good white tight ends and try to just be bigger. That's your only hope. I think you could score some I points. I mean, though. I just don't know. I mean, I, I think I the Black Squad so. scoring a thousand points. I think that they're. Yes. I mean, I think you won't be able to hang, but I think the, the White Squad can score some points. Uh, maybe like fourteen. Maybe they get out like uh, sixty-three to fourteen or something like that. Yeah, Justin Tucker banging some seventy-yard kicks, just elite yeah. kicking units, maybe. Yeah. I just, I just <laughs> don't have any hope that this White team's hanging with the with the. With the uh, listen, black team. no, no hope at all. 
Well, and, and hey, here's I the mean, deal. Especially when you have Lamar Jackson, who's got one of the best completion percentage and the best completion percentage over expected with Zay Flowers yeah, yeah. and Odell Beckham <laughs> and Devin Duvernay getting Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and Jamar Chase. Like, it's game over. Listen, no, but okay, hang on. How long do they have to and prepare, And they don't though? have any white They don't how, have any white corners. How long do they have to prepare, though? Because the white squad's coaching staff is stacked. You get all of the dudes that are like the – you get all of the offensive geniuses. What What is the black Mike squad McDaniel coaching staff? McDaniel goes on the uh, – he's on the black side. Oh, no, 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 no. White's got to have him. They, they, it, that's not fair. No, he's he's black. <laughs> I forgot about that because I was going to say the black squad's coaching staff. Everybody forgets. The the black squad's coaching staff is Mike Tomlin in a prayer. Like that's their, that's their, they're rocking with Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's defensive coordinator, no prayer if he's defensive coordinator. Listen, if you get, if you get Tomlin and McDaniel as the coaching staff, then you're right. It is a wrap. It's over. There's no hope. They're out. Yeah. Yeah. There's no hope. There's, there's, there's Uh, I'd even put Eric, you could put Eric B over there. Who's obviously the secret Mm. ingredient to the Kansas city chiefs that nobody's talking about, but Mm. you know, you could put him over there as well. That'd be that'd be a fun coaching staff, though. It would follow in one. Uh, finally, Anyways, I just want about to the talk Titans. about yeah, <laughs> to get back to the Titans. Uh, I want to talk about Gentry Estes at the Tennessee and put out this good article about how these next three weeks are the players voting for Vrabel. uh Mike Vrabel. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Agreed. Because it was, I, I found that I found that very, very interesting. That of all the places to write, it was Tennessean. Uh, I rarely see anything from the Tennessean that really catches my eye. Mm. But they're about to cast their votes to support Vrabel or not, and it gets into our whole conversation that we started at the top of the show, talking about communication, messaging, and all that kind of stuff. How much emphasis? Do you put in on a squad like this that is untalented, but also most of this, I think over 50% of the normal starters are likely not going to be here next year. So how much of an emphasis, their fight, their drive, doesn't matter if they're good or not, right? Like, I think that's what people are forgetting. It's about the fight and the dog not the outcome of the fight at this point. Right. So how much emphasis and focus, is that really what we should all be focusing on? Is the is the effort, the passion there, even if the results are not? Uh, I think it's important. Um, I, think, I think we got a phenomenal recent example of what it looks like when a team fully gives up in the Chargers in prime time. Um, I was sitting at Boomba's watching an unbelievable scene unfold with terrible Raiders and an interim head coach. Just, I mean, they had what 48 points by half 48 to nothing at half or something just murdered um, and already already the the corpse of the, the Chargers coaching staff. But that's the that's not an example of a team giving up on their coach. That is, in my opinion, the example of a team yeah. giving up on their coach, because in that game, there were some execution issues and you're rocking with my namesake who happens to suck at football East and stick, which is really limiting. Um, but th- that, that it did, those still NFL players out there. And you, you saw not just an execution issue, but you did see that lack of effort. You saw guys, it wasn't like they were taking terrible angles. It was guys out there. Like what, what's he doing jogging out there? Or like the body language on the sideline that, Ooh, ugh, that's not, you know, you saw all of that all game long and um, whether or not you see any of that from this Titans team, I think is telling 
Now, I, I think we have other recent Titans examples in the Miami game, in the Colts game of, okay, as of those dates, this team absolutely had not, has not given up on this head coach. Like they, they're, the, the message is still fully being received in that locker room. And so whether or not you get some of those games, these last three, where guys are kind of lollygagging out there, where you see, again, I I think with Vrabel, he, I think he's a more savvy coach than than Staley. I think his coaching staff, it's low bar, but they're, they're a more savvy coaching staff than Staley's coaching staff was. And so it may come in the form, like I said, of some interesting names being out there instead of the guys you're expecting to see. And that, to me, part of that might be, well, you're just trying to see what you got in this guy. And, you know, maybe it's just you, you're letting the veteran sit. There's nothing for him to gain. But some of them, I think, there are, I can envision instances where I'm like, this guy's not on the field. I'm surprised he's not on the field. And it makes me wonder whether or not he was putting in the effort during the week, whether his attitude is where the team wants it to be, whether the coaching staff is happy with the, the you know, the message, him receiving the message that they're trying to put out there well. Um so that that frankly, that is one of the bigger things that I'm looking for down the stretch is is that does it matter to you at all? Yeah, I think it does. Um, and it depends on the players that are being lackadaisical too. like, right. You look at if it was Christian Fulton was still out there and he wasn't giving it his all. Well, that's just that's just per the norm for Christian right. Fulton, par for the course. Doesn't really say much about Mike Vrabel, but no. I, I do think it's interesting to see, you know, the fight. Because I have, I mean, like the Cleveland Browns game, they couldn't really do anything anyway, but you kind of saw a team that kind of looked like they gave up. And I don't really blame them when you're getting thrashed. No. But these last three weeks have been perfect examples of teams that haven't given up. Now in the Texans game, poor execution, right? The uh, Shane Bowen had a good defensive game plan, yep. but couldn't tackle with a shit. I mean, Could they were not in the they were in the right spots. The defenders were right where they were supposed to be, but yes. they could not tackle. So that is... Oh, but that, fire Shane Bowen, Zach. Fire Shane. Yeah, that's Hot good team. You should be able to tackle for them. Example, right? No, the coaches have to yeah. be able to tackle for the players, Zach. You should know right. this. And there were there were times that this offense, they were just outmatched, but they never gave up, right? I mean, they looked no. like a team still trying to win this game because they knew mm -hmm. they were going to be eliminated if not. Yep. So do you still want to see that fight from a good chunk of the players? You want to see it from especially your young players, right? So you want to mm -hmm. see it from Chig, Skaronsky, McCreary. Uh, you want to see it from maybe the players that are fighting for an, a contract like Autry and Key. Maybe Autry's just rotational from here on in because he is old and, and all this stuff. But you want to see it for like uh, Aziz Al-Shayir, Sean Murphy Bunting. You want to see the fight. So Kayvon Wallace is another good example. You want to see them carry some momentum. That That is what you want to see because that kind of momentum is all about good coaching, good motivating. And when you're Mike Vrabel, who's known as a CEO, head coach, and a motivator, that's what that's what you're looking for. So I do yep. think it's a very important thing to watch and keep an eye on the effort. And I think the effort more than the outcomes are probably what matters most here from here on in. Uh, Easton, tell everybody about Boom Boz and Hot Read Podcast. Yeah, you can check us out tonight, 530 Central Standard Time. Me and my uh, producer, JT, going to be live at Boom Boz in Spring Hill. Fantastic eats, fantastic drinks. Great place to watch the game. If you're in the Nashville area, it's like a 20, 25 minute drive down the interstate. Very easy. Um, so come hang out. 
doing the show, talking Titans, previewing the Titans game, getting into some more of the specifics about how they're going to match up. Uh, let me ask you a question. We, we kind of danced around this and, and didn't even address a prediction here. At this point, are you thinking it's going to be Levis or are you thinking we're going to see Tannehill out there? I think probably Tannehill. You think so? Okay. I mean, I don't know what the practices practice. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't know what the report was like today. Later That's today, but I I would say that probably at least this week it'd be Ryan Tannehill. I'm inclined to say the same, but listen, if you want the latest on the practice report, we'll have that by uh, our show tonight. Okay. So tune in again live uh, wherever you're watching this show. Just go watch it there as well. It'll be the same place, um, and it's going to be a good time. And then we can eat and watch Thursday night football. I forget who's playing tonight. Um, there you go. It's but Chargers it's and. Someone else. So we get Chargers? Chargers in primetime again. I think oh boy. Chargers on Washington. Or is that what it is? But it I believe it's Chargers for sure. Um as our Anyways. Seekers Beverages, Kingston yep. Group, BuildKG.com, both locally owned and operated businesses. Thank you got to go to Sinkers right now. Get there, get there before the holidays. Get there before the holiday rush. Don't go. There's gonna be a lot of last minute shoppers. So mm. get go there now. Yeah. Hearing my voice, go there now, get it. You're shopping out of the way. One last place you have to go to, and then you're going to have everything that you need for your Christmas holidays. And then, of course, buildkg.com, the Kingston group. If for whatever reason you pull a Chuck uh, Griswold and then you, you know, <laughs> Christmas tree goes on fire and you have some damage <laughs> at your home, buildkg.com. All right. Yeah. Um, that will do it for us. Stackinginbox.com is where you can find my written work. Have a intensive article out today uh, on Thursday talking about um, basically shattering some offensive narratives that have been stewing uh, around this whole season, particularly around Derrick Henry, around first down run rates, early down success rates, uh, the Tennessee Titans. Um, offensive play calling, and then also, oh, anybody can do a better job than Mike Vrabel can with this team. Like, it's not that simple. So go read that. I'm going to have some stuff next week about third down, the third down mysteries around that. Are yep. they really in a more of a third and long situation than what people think? Spoiler alert, they're not. They're not ah. in. They're not anywhere near where you think they're going to be in third and long situations compared to the rest of the league and obvious passing down situations. We're also going to talk about offensive coordinators because I am doing a deep dive on, is it really bad to have a defensive head coach because you are fearful of your offensive coordinator leaving to go get a head coaching rate? And what is the higher rate? What's the ah, difference? Okay. So we're going to be breaking, breaking some myths now that I, I don't say myth busters over there. At, uh, I don't have a good thing like to it. write about anymore. So I'm, you know, breaking some breaking some myths. And of course, you like coverage all that. Stackinginbox.com. Follow me on X at FWordspotty. Follow Easton at Easton Freeze on X. This has been a football show. So thank you for watching. We appreciate it. Remember, no Monday shows for the next two weeks, Thursday shows only. So make sure that you set your calendars accordingly. Peace.